podcast ain't played nobody uh, back from Nashville. We did not end up actually recording in person as we intended to with both of us being in Nashville at the same time uh, because Stephen Godfrey got the death. I feel awful. I feel terrible, but we're going to do a podcast for you guys. And if anybody complains about the, the, the channel volume on this episode, I will drive to your house and slap you. Open, open face, open hand slap, like a movie from the 40s. This is as loud but, as I can talk right now. But uh, he would also have to take some naps on, on his drive to your house, um, so you would have time. It would take uh, me days. An intricate series of buses. Um, uh, Bill, we saw, um, we saw a really good title game. We talked yeah. to some football coaches at the AFCA convention. Um, you, um, I think you actually were at more general sessions than I was. My, my express goal at these things is to go around and meet new coaches or connect with old, connect with coaches I know. And basically it's, it's the amount of networking that I never thought I'd have to do when I took a media job. And I was very naive and didn't realize that all jobs in America are essentially sales jobs. And this is no different. So I yeah, talked to, a, I talked to a lot of coaches. Yeah, it was a trade show. It was a very yes, it was. What were your impressions? It was your first time. Yeah, I mean, it was that. It was a trade show, and it is funny. Um, I mean, we we spent a lot of time in the in the coffee shop, and um, you know, got to listen in on like grad assistant job interviews and all this stuff. It is, I think, it, it, it kind of clarified something that I guess I probably assumed anyway, but never really thought that far about. Like when you're starting off as a coach. Um, it is completely ra- like it, the the randomness involved in where you end up and what kind of opportunities you get. Obviously, you know if you have a really good relationship with specific coaches, then that'll help. And and you know usually a list of grad assu- uh, assistants includes at least one or two guys who played for the head coach or something of that nature. So there's clearly there are clearly certain paths that are a little more uh, productive than others. But Generally speaking, there is so much randomness. You just get spit out at this school, coaching this position uh, with these connections, and then you just kind of see how you can weave. It's, it takes a lot of – it seems like it takes a lot of, of, of kind of that just grunt work and, and a little bit of luck, really, to stumble your way into a position that actually allows to, you to prove how good you are. Um there, there it, and so that was kind of that, that crystallized for me. Like I said, I guess that's not just amazingly surprising, um, but like the the path from I think I want to be a coach to actually getting into a position where you can prove yourself beyond you know logging plays in the press box, beyond doing the kind of relatively I, I don't know menial. Uh, right. Just the, 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 the duties you do when you first get on are, are things where you're not going to really have an opportunity to differentiate yourself from others. Um, and, and I, I, it's a really interesting profession in that regard. It's, um, it's highly, highly clicky. Like in terms of region, that's one thing that you definitely notice when you're there. Like, because I, I guess we should back up. It's not just the 120 odd college football coaching staff that you would know about. Right. It's every staff in the, in the FBS, give or take, it's all of their staffers too. So not just like your safeties coach, your running backs coach, but it's like all of your QCs, all of your GAs, right. all Tons of your, of GAs. all of your player personnel, all of your ops guys. So that's a lot of people times 120, whatever. Then it's, it's 
pretty much every FCS team that you can think of. And D2. And NAIA and on down the line to the point where we called it the uh, the polo game or the um, or the windbreaker game, which is you're sort of walking around this labyrinth complex at Opry Land in Nashville and everybody has on either like a polo or a windbreaker kind of jacket with a logo of some school on. And you think the first time I did this event, I was like, oh, well, that'll be easy. I'll be able to recognize them. <clears throat> you don't know. You don't even know 30% of the logos you see. <laughs> Because on top of that, you also have high schools, you have junior colleges, so it's a um, it's a massive, massive event. Um, it's impossible to sort of get it all, um, but it's um, it's it's probably more informative for me as a reporter than being at the national title game would be. Even though, um, you know, for some reason, Bill, I wasn't that like. If anything, when we made the decision to send me to AFCA last year, I was like, oh, that, that makes so much sense. I was excited. I, the game was awesome. I watched the game in a, in a, at a hotel party last year and with a bunch of coaches. And even though it was an awesome game, I was still like, yeah, you know. This year, man, this is one as a writer and a reporter. You Like everybody, um, every reporter, regardless of how burnout you are or whatever your stance is or whether or not you have good connections with like a particular program, you just want to cover that kind of game. Like uh, our Richard Johnson was down there and he had a phenomenal time, did phenomenal work. But it's one of those that I I don't I hate doing the lists and the comparison thing. I, I don't know if it was better than the, the Texas USC game. I don't think it, it matters. No, nope, 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 nope. It wasn't. But I'm, it was very good. To me, it was because it's the last game I've seen. You know, I'm sitting here well, as, we, as we record. I'm watching a replay of one of the specialized things on uh, on the ESPN feeds. Uh, because I was again, I was in, I was in three different places, like networking <clears throat> and bars and stuff, at uh, during the game, and so I, I'm, I'm talking with other coaches and watching it in fragments, and then talking about whatever that coach was doing, and um, I don't. It was an awesome game. That's all that matters. It really doesn't matter if it was better than USC. Why do you say right away? Is there something that jumps out to you that well, says it's three- not that good? Uh, well, the first three quarters weren't as good. The fourth quarter was amazing. The, f- the last five minutes were amazing. But the first three quarters of Texas USC had um, just, I think, more entertainment value, more, uh, for whatever it matters, offensive talent. The 14-7, uh, I will say, having just rewatched the first half, you can kind of leave 14-7. Like, like, or you can you could start there, probably midway right. through the third. Or well, just, the, or, or in the third quarter – third quarter lasted nearly something like 70 to 80 minutes there were a couple of injuries tons of three and outs and quick commercial breaks and everything and so that was that was a disaster that was a slog of a quarter and and texas usc did not have that uh but again like fourth quarter last five minutes that you know if we want to put up those last five minutes against every other title game that has ever existed uh that's right there might be number one but it just it for 60 minutes it wasn't but again i mean that's i i i i saw the hyperbole going in that direction and i had to cut it off on monday night because i mean the texas usc was still just uh, absolutely stupendous and i think immediately saying this is the competitor to texas usc ignores 2010 oregon auburn ignores 2013 florida state auburn uh well i mean last year last year might have been a better game than this so um that's true so, I mean, yeah, we've been kind of spoiled. This is the fourth time in seven years we've had an awesome, awesome down-to-the-wire national title game. So, um, 
but yeah, it was kind of fun too. Like I, I, my suspicions were confirmed. We were down at uh, Broadway Brew House there on on uh, yeah on Broadway in Nashville for the fourth quarter. We had to go somewhere else because the game was so long that the first place we were at closed uh, at the end of the third quarter. But um, my suspicions were confirmed. About probably seventy to eighty percent of the coaches in the Broadway Brew House were rooting for Clemson. I assumed that was the case, and it it was it was. I did not meet a single individual, regardless of affiliation. ACC, SEC, whatever, network. I mean, it was literally like, I, I, I'm trying to think. No, there there wasn't a single person that had a vested interest in seeing Alabama win, be it for a networking or job reason or just casually. Everyone wanted to see Clemson win. Right, I and that was that probably back. the other reason. There's one person what? that. There's oh. one person that okay. I ran into on Monday night, uh, Darius Rucker, South Carolina grad. Good. That was the one person who was who did not want to see Clemson win that football game because he is and nothing obviously against Clemson. He's just a South Carolina alumnus. So, which is uh, an inadvertent segue. Not that we're going to segue out of this just yet, but we will talk about both Clemson and South Carolina on the show um, because those are the last two teams in our um, in our GoFundMe. So we're going to do segments on those. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> Watching this game, as I'm sitting here watching it on a replay, Bill, I don't know if you could ask for anything better. Maybe a more interesting first half, but to have a to have the conversations we're having, both smart and dumb now, and what I mean by that is the things that came out of the things that came out of the title game. I think a more competitive balance in conference. You just wrote about this, about the ACC being, this was sort of the year of the ACC. And we've talked about it ad nauseum that most of these programs are very much in progress on the way up, but that Alabama has to regroup, that there are questions now that, and I don't mean that in any kind of negative way directed specifically at Alabama, just the, there was parody that came out of this game and interest. And I think a restored feeling of balance, even in the dumb, like I made the joke on Twitter the, the next morning, you know, we're we're back to USC being a national title t- contender, right? It, it, there, there's a sense that college football, kind of coast to coast, conference to conference, has a a weird feeling of balance to it right now because we've gotten out of this SEC muck for the time being, and I think that's a really good thing. So, um, I mean, yeah, I think there's that feeling. I, I would also have to. Uh, because I'm antisocial and uh, pretty good at devil's advocate, I would have to also point out that uh, this was the most high, from an S&P standpoint, this was the best Alabama team of Nick Saban's run. Yeah. Um, 28 and two over the last two years. They are as dominant as ever. They just didn't win this game. Um, so, but I mean, but it, it I, I encourage everybody to throw themselves into the moment, assuming they've got a chance, even if they don't. No, I, I mean, I, this was, for Saban, for Alabama, this was a team that, I mean, you know, again, like from a defensive perspective until like the last, what, 10 or 12 snaps of the Clemson game, basically, um, you know, they they were absurd this year. This might have been their best overall defense, or at least their best since 2011, I guess. And um, I mean, just, they, they, they were just awesome. And they, they started the season 14-0 and with a, beating a bunch of top 20 teams uh, per S&P. Mm-hmm. That with a freshman quarterback and sophomore run, and freshman running backs and uh, if he if he and I don't want to say an iffy receiving core I guess but a uh, an unproven receiving core without like without a Julio Jones type without an Amari Cooper type 
Um, we, you know, they, there was youth all over that offense. It showed. It caught up to them late. They kind of peaked. They probably peaked three or four games early. Uh, and, and so the last we, – we always use the last impression. Like, that was obviously not the best Alabama team. That offense stunk. But, uh, I, I mean, A, they were playing a very good Clemson defense. And, B, they weren't quite as good as they were three or four games ago. So, for the season as a whole, they're great. Uh, but they, they faded just enough at the end for, for a peaking Clemson team to catch them. Um, but they were awesome. They were awesome, and they are as dominant as they've ever been. And um, I encourage everybody to go after them because it's going to take a home run swing just like Clemson gave them. <clears throat> so there's, in some ways, no difference between this year's game and last year's game except that the outcome was flipped, and therefore it's not like the plan that Clemson has been building towards is really that much different. They just came out on the winning side this year. Right. But in a lot of ways, in the court of public opinion, and, and a lot of, I mean, perception-wise, I think maybe for not so much other coaches, not so much other administrators around college football, but fans, you know, casual fans in certain pockets and maybe even the media. And I think in also some recruits that, were, you know, they have a national title now over Alabama. They beat Nick right. Saban in a championship game, which has never been done before. They were really close last year, but they didn't do it, and now they did. And that alone creates a sea change of, of expectations. And I think it, it does let everyone sort of breathe easy that, the, you know, the unstoppable and the unthinkable no longer exists in a certain way. And I don't mean that – please don't take that as Bama dynasty over – it just means we get something a little different for a while. And that, I really felt it in talking to so many people, coaches and fans and just, you know, I was at the Fiesta Bowl and all anyone wanted to talk about was Alabama. It's all year long, you know, through Bama's win last year, before that. I think having a different national champion right now from a different conference that isn't Ohio State is, is important right. for college football. Yeah, uh, I mean, the last time Clemson won the national title, it was just beginning, like, Bear Bryant's run was coming to an end, and there, we were in this weird little position of, like, what was it, 80 Georgia won, not even a very good Georgia team won, um, not even not even the best Dooley Herschel Walker team won, uh, and then 81 Clemson, I think 82 Penn State, 83 BYU, 80, or 83 uh, Miami, 84 BYU, there was this weird, it was this weird transition from what power was to what it was going to become, Mm-hmm. Uh, that's I don't really think that applies here at all. Um, this was Clemson. I mean, this was Clemson swinging for the fences and 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 recruiting at a super high level and having the best quarterback in the country or one of the two best quarterbacks in the country, um, and uh, you know just being able to m- meet meet with meat and uh, stand up. And there are only two or three teams in the country that can do that. So as much, oh man, I am primed. I am, there's nothing I would enjoy writing about more than a new kind of transition of power like the early 80s. That's not what this is, but it is um, the, the imagery here and the, uh, you know, the, the fact that they could lose the national title and then also, in theory, lose the recruiting national title here coming up. I mean, they're, they're number one right now. In terms of averages, Ohio State and Georgia have them by hair, uh, depending on how some recruits here go down the stretch. I mean, and Clemson only has like half a class, so I guess in theory they could still surge or whatever. But um, uh, it, it'll be like the, the SEC proved that uh, so much of their like, you know, we're the best conference talk was just was just masking massive amounts of insecurity. Uh, and as soon as they lost a couple things, then like this veneer just came crashing to the ground and everybody tried to be like Alabama. Um 
Alabama, there's no reason for Alabama to be insecure. Alabama should start the next season being the national title favorite uh, and would be the odds-on favorite to win it. But um, that veneer will have been shaken a little bit, and we'll see if that has any impact whatsoever. I don't know about insecurity, but I definitely know that there will be a the fake underdog thing, the fake news underdog thing that they tried to perpetuate is now going to become something that they can grow holistically inside of inside of that locker room for a year. Just just losing the national title, just losing the national title in the fourth quarter will make them the world's worst football team psychologically. So I think by no means are they out. Let's see, they, they have what? Um, they were, Hertz is back, obviously, and then I think every running back that touched the ball in the national title game is back. Yeah. I mean, they will replace. It's sort of arbitrary to do this when you, like, kind of start thumbnailing what Alabama brings back because of the recruiting insanity. Um, I mean, I don't necessarily see anything changing. But, again, it's it's not really about that. I mean, if you made a playoff for right now for next year, you have to put them in there. Right. Right. So, so this isn't so much a football change as I just think it is a culture change. And also – I think it is evidence to a lot of coaches that you're not insane that you can – the thing that most excites me about – it's not Bama losing. It's that a team from outside the SEC beat Bama using their – using a lot of their philosophies and spending money in, in – they didn't have unlimited funds at Clemson, but they have raised a hell of a lot of money. They've done a lot of really smart, innovative things in terms of you know, how they – how they market themselves, how they, you know, uh, do their communication with their recruits and how they engage young donors. Um, and it all worked. It worked. They have proof because they won a national championship by beating Alabama. So yeah. that's the kind of like just hope that you give a lot of other programs. Right. Now, you it still feels like you're an ocean away from can Chris Peterson's system of sort of the the no headline – no engagement type of philosophy would that work? And you know, from a from a national title perspective, I don't know. Sorry, I'm trying not to cough. <laughs> no, um, uh, yeah, and the thing is, Clemson built an Alabama style program without trying to imitate Alabama. Um, you know, they had their own offense that they installed. They they didn't install the three four defense. They went. I mean, recruiting was obviously a huge part of it, but they didn't just try to imitate Bama. They didn't try to just pluck somebody off of the Bama staff. Although technically, obviously, uh, Dabo has a lot of Bama ties, but not the right kind of ties. Um, so I, I mean, I think that's you know, we we've talked about it a lot on this damn show. I mean, the SEC, all the all the teams getting tired of beating, uh, getting beat by Saban, tried to emulate Saban, and that's not the way this works. Uh, the Clemson model is is how this works. Of course, it requires uh, very very high level recruiting um, to some degree. It requires great quarterback play. It requires a lot of skill, however you get it, and a lot of meat, however you get that. But it's not simply about like, oh, hey, well, we got to get somebody who knows the Alabama recipe. No, it's it's much more vague than that. Now, I will say, by the way, about Alabama, like I, I'm the first to say I'll pick them number one. I'll, I'll rank them number one in the preseason next year, almost certainly. Um, but they do. Well, number one, they do have to every chance every time you suffer some uh, turnover on defense, there's a chance that you have at least a minor temporary setback. And I mean, with Alabama, those setbacks are very, very minor and very, very temporary. But it's hard to 
you know, with the way Michigan de- played defense most of the year, with the way some other teams played defense, it's hard to just assume that a defense without Reuben Foster and Jonathan Allen and Ryan Anderson uh, and Dalvin Tomlinson and Tim Williams and Eddie Jackson, although they got a head start on that one, uh, plus uh, the, anybody who might go pro early, it's hard to assume that that's still going to be the best defense in the country. It might, but they at least have some pieces to break in and they have to prove themselves again. And then, I mean, there's a legitimate concern about their passing game right now. Um, you know, Jalen Hurts for all his problems and, and for kind of the play calling pre- predictability that they uh, went through down the stretch, no matter who the offensive coordinator was, a lot of it had to do with the fact that Hurts wasn't throwing a very good deep ball and the receivers weren't getting uh, open all that frequently. And, um, you know, Calvin Ridley for the second straight year. I mean, what, uh, how many passes did he catch against Clemson? One, um, you know, in the playoff against high caliber. Oh no, he caught five, but for 36 yards. Um, you know, in the in the last what three playoff games, I guess he's done almost nothing. Uh, he is he is a possession receiver and and very little more. And that if he's your number one guy, that's that that limits your attack in and of itself. But then if you're without our Darius Stewart now, you're without OJ Howard and Garrick Dieter. Then your second leading leading receiver from this year is Josh Jacobs, the running back. Um, you know, Cam Sims had in terms of receivers. Cam Sims had 14 catches for 152. Trevon Diggs had 11 for 88. Maybe he'll become a star uh, as a sophomore. Robert Foster caught five passes and might transfer. So you're looking at having to having to get guys like Trevon Diggs or I don't know Derek Keefe or something or newbies. You have to get some new contributions from the receiving core to help uh, Hurts out. Of course, you know, since it's Bama, everybody's assuming that the new whatever, the new blue chipper uh, mm-hmm. coming in is going to replace Hurts in the lineup. So what, what, on a larger scale, we're just talking about we, it'll be a while. Maybe, maybe it's over. Maybe not the Bama thing. Not, not even the Bama culture or, the, or or Bama winning national titles, but this whole, like, can anybody beat Bama mindset that had creeped in and created a sort of perception cancer of the sport. That's the only thing I'm excited about. It's not personal with Alabama. It's that oh. now you, you're not going to see that dumb headline. You're not going to frame. When next year, next summer, when the television ads start in earnest for the, for the matchups that we talked about on last week's show, it won't be <clears throat> who can unseat this right. dominant force. That whole marketing mindset goes away because right now I think Florida State next year, this time next year, playing everything out without massive injury, I think Florida State's a better team than Alabama. It USC be, might be. It is going to be interesting, the thought of Alabama starting the season 0-1 if they were to lose to Florida State to start next year. Uh, I, I assume Saban relishes that thought that he can that he can pin that on his team all, all offseason. Um, and they'll probably you know be up for that game, something crazy. But oh, I'm down for that world. I'm down for a world in which they're zero and one. It's funny to me too how um, quickly that inevitability sits back, seeps back in because technically Alabama's Alabama's only won one of the last four national titles. Um, but when they yep. do it, the way they do it, it just feels like they've been, they've done six in a row. Um, but it's funny. Well, I think we, I think it was because of the streak this year too. It was a streak. It, they didn't they have, have the old Miss this year. They have made the playoff all three years. It took awesome uh, Ohio State and Clemson teams to take them down uh, in 14 and 16. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, clearly they're still an awesome program. But it is funny how the feeling of inevitability persists even though they don't – I mean, even though they only win a quarter of the national titles according to the last four years. So, right. Um, no, yeah, I think no, it's – That Florida uh, State game. That Florida State game next year, um, the consequences of that one will be very, very fascinating. 
By the way, I'd like to apologize in advance to Jeff Tedford if Florida State were to win that game. Uh, the next, their next game is Fresno State at home, and then and then Colorado State at home. I guess they're just they wanted to make a uh, a Mountain West That's swing, Mountain West. Yeah. and they start conference play at Vandy. You, you, your boy might have to be there for that if they're zero and one in conference play. That would well, be they, that would be hilarious, well, or not conference play. I'm sorry, not right. Florida State. They, they have a loss, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, if they, but if you could, if you could even Jenny up a headline that says. Uh, 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 Alabama looking to get back on track versus Vandy. I'm down for that. I think that's hilarious too. By the um, way, that's that'll be their first trip to Vandy since 2007. Um, I would uh, pre, uh, here, uh, allow me to now insert my my um, we need some damn pods and and scheduling uh, my my weekly plea. But anyway, uh, I'm fine with that only because I live so close to Vanderbilt and I have a very vivid memory of that weekend being impossible to navigate around town <laughs> because the buses showed up anytime that you know the whole um warren st john the rammer jammer culture it's real very much real but when they show up in town early and in places that don't accommodate rvs like everyone makes a big deal like oh they're going to baton rouge on a tuesday well like yeah baton rouge can sustain that there's places that park <laughs> an rv in baton rouge like in the middle of the city of nashville it's not conducive to that it's one of the reasons why nashville doesn't get the baseball tournament so I don't know. It'd be fine. I guess it, uh, we'll see if, you know, they've got questions. We'll see. Uh, it, it's a plucky Vanderbilt team. See, this is going to be so much fun sure. for nine months. Yeah, man. go for, this go is for that. Be yeah, so for much fun. They played, by the way, they played Vanderbilt twice since 2002. Bill, we're already doing it. You know what we're doing right now? We're talking. Stalling. No, we're talking about the loser. We're talking about the, the, the program instead of the winner. We're talking about, we're talking about that big brand of Alabama instead of that big brand of Clemson, right? Because because now Clemsoning means winning national titles. That's right. So, uh, Deshaun Watson gone. Mike Williams gone. Um, uh, Bulwer's gone. Um, this is just off the top of my head. This is going to be a um, not a reloading year. I don't think they're, they're they're just not at that level yet. Are they going to? Are they? I don't think they miss a beat in recruiting. Right. Um, the program is good and set and fine and rocking and rolling for the next couple of years, but. They'll take a step back next year, which is fine. Um, if anything, I think they – I mean, this was they, – they didn't play desperate, but I think from a coaching perspective, had they, had they lost this game, you would have been looking at two, maybe three years before you find this level of talent, I think it's fair to right. say. Um, the combination of talent and experience, yeah. Who they are in the future is going to be interesting because – if we're right about this ACC situation, we'll just go ahead and segue over into our, our Clemson stuff. And um, I tell you what, I need to pull up the email from our Clemson donor. because he. Now, keep in mind, if you, when, as he's listening to this, it's very funny because this was all in the context of pre-Fiesta Bowl. Yeah. So this was this was not – he had no idea he'd be talking He because he kind of wrote in with a little sharp. I'm stalling here as I try and look for this thing. Um, it, it was all in sort of this Clemson get slided type of thing. So needless to say – the. I, that that shifted dramatically. Um, I'm going to continue to stall. Feel free to help me out here, Bill. Um, no, you got it. No. Um, so <laughs> the, uh, the the guys who have declared early so far: Watson, Gallman, Scott, Williams. So that means, in terms of returning production on offense, um, you know, you're you're led by either Kelly Bryant or Tucker Israel next year in the passing. They've combined for 73 yards uh, passing. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you're looking at uh, maybe a CJ Fuller or an Adam Choice or a Tavian Feaster uh, in the in the backfield, uh, all of whom, well, especially Feaster actually did um, on on a per carry basis did better than than Goldman did with basically the same size. So um, you know that could be very that could be interesting. Um, and in the receiving core, you're you're looking at uh, what Deion Kane and Ray Ray McLeod. Uh, and of course, uh, t- only scores touchdowns in title games. Uh, Hunter Renfro, White Lightning. Um, so you've got you've got uh, certainly some uh, a little bit of proven talent in the receiving core still, uh, but a new quarterback passing the ball and a new and uh, you know uh, some running back trying to take on a lot more. Um, did you I, see I that? Ren- did you see Renfro sent the uh, sent an autograph ticket sheet of the 2016 season to uh, our buddy PFTC co- uh, commenter? Did you see that? Oh, I thought that was perfect. That. He signed it, future Patriots receiver Hunter Renfro. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, I've got the email, Bill. Okay, okay. Uh, our friend Bill Burris, Dateline, December 29th. This, is, this wasn't even an optimistic Bill Burris. Just gave $201 to purchase the last segment. Thank you, Bill. Uh, like you guys to talk about Clemson, and I wanted to be sure to donate more than the South Carolina fan. We'll get there in a second. That's why he gave us the dollar. Uh, I'm a Clemson fan, and part of being a Clemson fan is that I always feel like, and he puts in quotes with caps and the, the exclamation point, one exclamation point, the media never talks about how my, uh, talks about my team as much as they talk about other teams, which is what we were just doing. As an illustration of that, I'll point out that this summer, y'all took a few minutes each week to talk about the conferences Bill was previewing that week. You went on vacation during ACC week and never discussed the conference. I don't even remember that. First off, Bill, um, thanks for your money. Second off, you're way too much of a fan because I sure as hell don't remember an episode three weeks ago, let alone that you were. And if you were waiting for me, to, if you were dog-earing my thoughts on Clemson and the ACC... I can point you in far more educated directions in terms, at least in terms of prognostication and roster review. Um, we just did it. We actually proved Bill's point. Now, part of that is Alabama coming down off the mantle. That is a viable conversation topic. And the whole SEC thing, I, I don't think I'm talking about it in any way, shape, or form in a homer's perspective. But <clears throat> I was standing on the field of Fiesta when Dabo went on his rant about what the brand is and the national recognition and all that jazz. And he's sort of right in a small way. It's funny for me and you to sit here and talk about this because this is hell. Even inside the college football news world, you know, we're the program that's going to dedicate an hour to any school you name. Okay. But I I guess if you're talking about, I mean, maybe dad was talking about the kind of, the kind of media attention. Maybe Mr. Burris here is talking about the same thing where it's like, that kind of college to NFL crossover to where a casual college football fan, if he names the 10 best programs right now, maybe a year ago he wouldn't have included Clemson. That's the only thing I can understand here. I think Clemson itself does present a problem. I've been there numerous times for different media things, and they don't have a major city that sits either as a state hub because they're between Charlotte and Atlanta, which are both outside of their home state, and they also lack – you know, they're they're a tiny – Clemson is a small little city, you know, kind of stuck upstate, south of the mountains, north of Atlanta. And so it doesn't have a natural media base. No. Um, and, at the, and, and the state capital, the biggest market, 
although maybe Greenville will be in a couple of years, but it's, it's Columbia to my knowledge, and Columbia is the home of South Carolina. So I think all those things have kind of fed into that. But also, Mr. Burris, I think that helped them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, you, you want to be able – the one thing we've definitely seen with any college football coach or any coach of any kind is you want to be able to play that card that says they don't think you're – they're not taking you very seriously. Um, you know, the, the disrespect card, and they've had plenty of that. They're not going to get that anymore now. No. You won the national title. And, I, I mean, with the guys they're losing, I, you know, they're not going to be picked to repeat, uh, nor should they. Uh, so maybe you can then turn around and play that card again and say, well, when Alabama wins, they're number one the next year or something like that. But, I, I mean, just generally speaking, um, you won the title. You beat Bama. You get the, all the respect that you uh, feel you deserve, at least for a while. Uh, and it'll be, uh, among other things, now there'll be a, a slightly depleted team with a, an enormous target on their back, and it'll be really interesting to see how they handle that. They didn't, I mean, let's be honest, for, for, for much of this season – they didn't necessarily handle uh, – they handled it just well enough, obviously, but they took a lot of home run shots this year, and they didn't necessarily respond very well. They really should have lost to NC State. They did lose to Pitt. They uh, – they, they, you know, they – granted, the Auburn game was different down this – once we realized that Auburn was actually pretty decent, uh, but they, they tried to lose to Troy. Troy had the ball back with a chance to take the lead late. Like, they took a lot of home run swings, and it took them a lot of – it took them Deshaun Watson and and some random some late clutch defensive stops to prevent a three or four loss season. So um, I mean, when I say that, I'm not saying they didn't deserve the title. They obviously did. But yes. They they already had that target on their back, and a super experienced team uh, had to kind of learn how to deal with it. They still played their best game, their their best ball late. They almost kind of relaxed after they 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 finally took that loss against Pitt. Uh, so, I mean, they, they, they handled it all, but now you're going to be dealing with a much less experienced uh, two deep trying to handle the same expectations and the same home run swings, and that's that's different. And maybe they handle it just fine, but it's different. It'll be a new test for them <coughs> next year. I think um, it is the smallest brand name. And when I talk, by the way, when I talk about brand names, like the ratings were down on this because of television market specifically and because a lot of the country perceives this as like a, like a, a same market matchup. Oh, yeah. I, th- I mean, this happened with Alabama LSU. Is as many people were losing their minds in our part of the nation. That game didn't play as well. The 2000 World Series didn't play as well when it was two New York teams. That that's not what a national viewing audience wants to see, regardless of what one fan, you know, I shouldn't say one fan base, a group of fan bases as a culture. You know, they like the SEC loved it, loved Alabama LSU, but I mean, it really was the impetus to go ahead and kill the BCS in a lot of ways. Um, Clemson is not in the SEC, but they're damn close to it. It certainly right. feels that way. Um, I guess in terms of national brands, they're the smallest or maybe least recognized of the national title winners. And I know they already won one, and I know that feels stupid or, or you know, almost like heresy because I'm from the South and I know what Clemson means. And but maybe on a national level, they've got a point. I guess. However, none of that matters. You just won the national no. championship. Yeah, You're, yeah, no. You're doing, yeah, you're doing every single thing that an SEC program you you've become at the same to me the same quality as Florida State. And the best thing that you could always say about Florida State was they run an SEC program without having to play in the SEC. Which means that if you put Florida State against you know in any their all right in their title year, if you would have put Florida State against the one of the four or five best SEC schools, I would have picked them to win that year. 
And they beat Auburn in the title game, obviously. But the same goes for Clemson this year. Hell, they beat what? South Carolina, not one of the best four, four or five teams in the league. And they beat, uh, they beat Auburn. They beat, th- they beat three SEC teams this year. So it doesn't matter. Don't worry about the media. In fact, maybe this is harmful for us to say. It's probably better that you don't receive the, the kind of insane amount of attention or the fact that you have six, seven, eight different newspapers the way you do in Gainesville and Columbus. Those are just the, the two media groups I can think of that are the deepest. Um, I don't think that benefits anybody. <clears throat> Excuse me. In the in the football program, it benefits the media. But um, no, this is this is a good problem to have if you're the Tigers. If you go back to being ignored, Bill, what, let's I tell you what, let's do this. Let's do a forecast. When does Clemson fall off the radar again? Now, obviously, we don't think that they're gonna they're gonna get through. I don't think they're gonna have, you know, be twelve and one next year. I think that's safe right. to say, right? So we're we're assuming a loss, assuming a loss before midseason. Ah, see, all right. Here's one problem: the ACC hasn't set its schedule yet, which is uh, yeah. unacceptable. Unacceptable. Yeah, um, no, they, this is uh, that's always the way it is. I'll start my preview series in about three weeks, that. and and like the the first conference, like the Sun Belt, has never ever been on time in that regard. But it's anyway. nuts. Um, so the the only dates that we have locked are um, the front two and the last two, which is Kent State. They open with uh, Auburn. They're they're at home against Auburn. Um, I guess we'll have to talk about Auburn maybe next week. I don't know, depending on what the hell's going on down there. That may or may not be an interesting game. And then they close the season with Citadel and uh, South Carolina. Uh, I'm assuming they will put like I think around October seventh will be Florida State. They have, yeah, that's it, it's at home. It, it'll be in Clemson, and then they're on. I, I if I'm if I'm guessing, if they get their druthers, they'll they'll take Clemson, and because they know that they may not necessarily be you know making a twelve and one run next year, but they're still the defending national championship. My strong guess is that ESPN and the ACC um, are going to take either the I would say the sixteenth, the twenty third, or the thirtieth, and drop in. Probably Louisville, which would be a road game, or Virginia Tech, which would be a road game. Because I think they want a big marquee matchup with Clemson as a defending national championship, so still probably undefeated before they get to Florida State, which is, I, if I had to bet, I would say is the 7th or the 14th. I know it's not set yet, but that just, based on the years prior, that's where it would fall. Right. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised at all, especially Louisville, because, I mean, that, Louisville was early this year, um, and so it wouldn't surprise me at all to see them go into Louisville in late September. <clears throat> Um, and, and I mean that's that's huge. Louisville gets the Heisman, brings the Heisman winner back. Right. Um, I mean they've got their own issues now, but they they still should be quite solid. Uh, and I would actually be you know with you know nine months before the game, I would be a little surprised if Clemson won that one. But uh, yeah, I mean regardless, they're they're playing in the conference that was just was probably the best in the country this year. And um, they have to reload, so they'll probably lose a couple games in conference. Yeah. They, so okay, so to finish the thought. To finish the thought, they go. Let's say they go to Louisville and lose. Mm-hmm. They are going to be off the radar for a while. They will probably fall into the teens in the rankings, depending on what's going on. And then I think maybe they. I think it's it's fair to say they are going to lose to Florida State, even though it's in Clemson. I think Florida State will be the better team. And I'm saying this January the twelfth. Okay, so for whatever that's worth. Um, after that, a two loss Clemson team. Yeah, you're going to get ignored. You're going to scrap and fight for <clears throat> whatever the rotational bid might be for one of those at-large New Year's Day Bowls. And you know what? 
that is okay. I feel like yeah, I'm giving I the mean, same yeah. speech that I gave to Florida State a month ago. I was about to say you're going to be ignored like Florida State was ignored last year. I mean, like that that's not a that's not a hard life. You're you're being ignored in in a way that's like, yeah, we're going to have to pay attention to you again pretty soon, but we're going to ignore you the rest of this year. Exactly. Um, and and they'll be fine. They'll be fine and they you know, they'll have It'll be kind of an interesting quarterback situation next year because you will have this year's backups. Well, not even the second stringer. That was uh, Schusler, But you'll have, what, Kelly? What did I say earlier? Kelly Bryant. Um, Tucker Israel was a redshirt freshman. You've got I, – I, I, this is – I'm just looking at the, the last year's preview. I have no idea about what, what Zarek Cooper's situation is, but he was a four-star freshman this year. Uh, I guess he's still on the roster. We'll find out. But then you got Hunter Johnson, the big blue chip kid from uh, from Indiana, committed for this year. So technically, you could do a toss the freshman into the fire kind of thing for 2017 if he's ready, uh, and have him ready to to kick butt and take names in 2018. Uh, but no, it's a transition year, and and you'll it'll be a 10 and three style transition year. That's just you know that when you complain about it, uh, you know 95 percent of the fan bases in the country go, oh yeah, Crimea River. Um, that's a good place to be. That's where you want to be. South Carolina. I'm yeah. sorry, Clemson fans. I know you're. I know every Clemson fan in the entire state right now is listening to this podcast as a way to, to celebrate their national championship. <clears throat> God, how pathetic would that be? Um, we did get a donation from a South Carolina fan who didn't even mind if we didn't talk about South Carolina. How cool is that? Oh, hey! hey. Right. Now it's the off season. I thought you got your phone disconnected. Yeah, so um, I did. I moved it out of the room, and then we um, changed internet service providers. Mm. Uh, and they had to hook the phone base here, the, the, the home base phone, back up to the modem that is in the office where I currently am. So uh, it's back. Uh, it was not my call to have it back. It was not even really my call to have a house phone a phone at all, but because they're desperate to be able to pass your name along to people uh, who can call you even if you don't answer, uh, it was cheaper to get the house phone than to not get the house phone. Uh, so we're back. We're back with the Anywho. It wouldn't even be funny to answer on air because it's just like, it's like collar bots, right? Right. It's an, it was an 877 number. Well, that's not even so fun. Yeah. Um, okay. South Carolina. South Carolina. We got a um, donation before Bill's donation of two hundred and one dollars. And again, I love this pettiness. I'm 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 down with this pettiness. <clears throat> Excuse me. Of uh, two hundred one, one hundred and fifty dollars. So actually, Bill only had to give one hundred and fifty one. But we thanks for your money. You're not getting it back. Um, by the way, I'm in the process of shutting the GoFundMe down, and some of you zombie donate. Some of the of you zombie patrons are still giving money. So. We do appreciate that. A couple Penn State fans actually <clears throat> very recently gave some cash to it. So it's like past 10-5 now. So we're, we're officially like the most noble podcast in the college football realm. <laughs> um, South Carolina. So uh, Kim- Kimberly Swigert gave us money. And then I contacted her and I said, hey, um, you didn't tell me what team. And she was like, what are you talking about? So she she literally she gave enough money for a segment and didn't even know that that was like a donation tier. She was just that generous, which I thought was really sweet. And she said, "If you can fit in South Carolina, great." And I was like, "Oh my god, we're the coolest SEC fan I've ever talked to." So we will fit in South Carolina. Yeah, it's great. And we'll do it on the we'll do it on the day that we talk about Clemson's national title. 
Um, just to iron bowl this bad boy. Um, they continue. I have been accused recently in, in, in social circles amongst colleagues that I am bullish, too bullish on the Gamecock. I, you mean by me? Yes. <sighs> Why am I too bullish? Okay, well, let's put it this way. Let's start with this. Why are you bullish? Um, I'm bullish because I think, reading the tea leaves right now, one, um, there is a overestimation of Muschamp's deficiencies. I think there is a misinterpretation of his performance because they are grading this invisible potential relative to what he did at Florida. Florida and South Carolina are dramatically different jobs. He has okay. the offensive coordinator he wanted the first time that he should have had the first time. He said that publicly, and I and and having, li- I mean, listening to people that I that are way smarter than me, you know, who actually coach the the sport. Like, had he had Kurt Roper, I think the trajectory would have been different. I'm not saying he would still be coached there. I mean, what's I don't know what Kurt Roper's war is in a particular situation. It's I mean, compared to Charlie Weiss, it's like two and a half. But <clears throat> he has that now. They have consistency. They're recruiting really well. I mean, that's the biggest thing. And then the last thing is, show show me the pillar that that one must topple in in that division. I think it's almost a more of a why not, which isn't sexy, but it's something. Well, okay. So, and I, I don't think of things in terms of division. I just think of things in terms of you know top fifteen, top thirty, top fifty, whatever. Um, so this year. So this year, South Carolina was 78th in S&P um, with an offense, with a defense that ranked 50th, improved a good amount, and an offense that ranked 107th. Um, with, uh, they, they had about t- over two and a half t- points of quote-unquote turnovers luck per game in a season where they went three and one in one possession games. Mm-hmm. You know, they beat Vandy, Vandy by three, East Carolina by five, UMass by six. Oh, four and one, sorry. UMass by six and then Tennessee by three. Um, so they were probably a four and eight, five and seven level team, probably five and seven uh, on average. And, uh, they had a, 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 an intriguing defense that was dragged down by the offense. So now there's context there that I'll get to in a second, but just laying all that out, that sounds exactly like the Will Muschamp stereotype. Uh, and, and, and since they didn't have top five or ten level recruiting, like he he always had at Florida, they were at number seventy eight instead instead of like number what like thirty eight or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so that alone, so th- that right there tells me that I did not learn a thing about Will Muschamp this year that I didn't already know. Now, I mean, they sneaked into a bowl. They almost beat a good South Florida team. Um, they beat Tennessee. They had their they had some moments. They also uh, you know got whooped by what turned out to be a not very good Georgia team. They got rocked by, uh, well, rocked by 13 points, but they lost to Mississippi State, um, got destroyed by Clemson late. Uh, so, yeah, but I'm okay with all those. That, that, that's well, what was right. supposed to happen. Right, but I'm saying, like, there was a, that, it was what was supposed to happen. That's what I'm saying. This is, the, you know, they, they won a couple close games, therefore they finished with six wins instead of four or five. But... This uh, we I don't think we learned anything about Will Muschamp this year. Now I mean the, now the context the context of course is that Jake Bentley was a freshman uh, quarterback. Mm-hmm. 
Uh-huh. He had a couple good games, then struggled a lot, took a hilarious number of sacks. Um, but he was a freshman, and he, he lived, and he, he gets to now be a sophomore. Uh, the, the running backs, the, you know, the, the two running backs leading the way, Dowdle and Turner, were both freshmen. Uh, Debo Samuel started to look like the real deal at times as a, as a sophomore, one of the gifts that Muschamp inherited from, um, uh, from Spurrier, and then Brian Edwards had his moments too. Hayden Hurst, the tight end, had his moments. So in theory, you can look at that and say that there are the makings of a potentially strong passing game. Uh, and the defense, the defense had a, a ton of juniors and seniors, uh, you know. 50th in S&P Plus, which is up from, I think you had them in the 90s last year. Right, Sorry. I believe so. It, but it, they it, also, senior, uh, senior uh, Darius English led the way. Senior uh, Marquavius Lewis had a decent little season uh, with five and a half tackles for loss. I, Bryson Allen Williams, he hasn't declared, right, or has he? I'm not sure, but he he's, sure. he was a junior, but T.J. Holloman was a senior. So uh, it'll be impressive to see if they can improve off of uh, number 50 next year or how much they can improve. So I think they'll improve next year. They're not going to be 78 next year. They're going to be 58 or 48. or so They're 50th as, this year. Um, well, on in S&P, they were 78. No, oh, yeah, defense. yeah, on defense, but I'm talking about overall. So they were 78 ah, this yes. year. And and so, yeah, they'll be in the maybe the 40s or the 50s next year. Maybe that's Yeah, again – my bullishness needs context. I'm bullish on South Carolina relative to, to South Carolina. Like, me being bullish on South Carolina, I, I already feel vindicated because they won six games. With, with <laughs> wow, a deeply okay. flawed roster With a deeply flawed roster and, and a coach with a lot of questions, they came in there and won games. They were one of the teams that was able to, to beat Tennessee, the, the unstoppable you know dynasty in waiting in Knoxville. And, uh, yeah, you know what? If they're 7-5 and five next year, I feel vindicated in saying that I'm bullish on South Carolina. And then if they're 8-4. and four, if, if he becomes boring consistency in the East, that, that means that's, that's good. Well, but The East could use boring consistency in a good way. So the last two years then, they're like 88th. And sorry, they're 79th now. Uh, they did follow spot for, for Clemson after Clemson beat Alabama. So whatever. I just haven't updated the stat profile. Just yet. a riveting. Okay, so, Yep, so they were 88th and 79th the last two years. And so, yeah, in that sense, you know, boring consistency in, like, the 40s sounds good. But this is a program, um, in, in terms of S&P, they were 11th in, in 06, 29th, 27th, 18th, 8th, 26th, 10th, and 10th. That's eight straight years in the top 30 under Spurrier. Uh, those three seasons where they won 32 games, four where they won 41 total. Um Boring consistency in the top 30 and 40, that's not enough, is it? The bar's higher than that now, right? It's not like national title high, um, but it seems like it's higher than top 40, then maybe they can be a top 40 team with Muschamp. That doesn't seem good enough. Okay, well, we'll say this. We have a lot of South Carolina listeners on this show, really strangely so, because we're not from there, and I don't even think that school credentials us. But (laughs) So maybe everyone's screaming at us right now as I say that's enough, but... Your in-state rival that you beat five times in a row two years ago just won a national championship. So crazy stupid is going to be the order of the day for a while. <laughs> like, don't try, don't let that eat you alive psychologically. Just it will for the next couple months, and then I don't know. South Carolina is probably going to win like a national title in baseball this year. So uh, just stay the path. Maybe it isn't enough. I don't know necessarily what the core group of, of the of the decision makers and doers and 
big money people in Colombia think is enough. I know Spurrier brought them to a level of consistency at or brought them to consistency at a level that they hadn't really ever seen. But I think I think one of the things that's appealing about South Carolina right now is that they told Muschamp, take your time. Right. I, and he's recruiting. I mean, right now they're, they've got the number 15 class according to 247. I think just glancing at it, um, they have 22 commits. I, I, I'm guessing they end up closer to like that like 18 to 25 range. I'm betting some teams pass them once those teams get more commits. Uh, just uh, probably. But regardless, top 25 class. Um, so even if they're only number 50 or 55 next year, in theory, then you've got a better talent base. You can get into the top 40 or whatever. But I, yeah, I just, uh, my question, I guess is, is about where should the bar, where, where is the bar set by, by South Carolina fans? And then also where should the bar be set? Cause in four years at Florida, uh, 2011 through 14, they were 33rd, third, that random 2012 season, they were 33rd, then third, and then 33rd and 29th. And that was with top 10 or so recruiting. Now he's looking at top 10, 20, 20 or 25 recruiting. Does that mean he's going to basically be able to create like a top 40 team and that's it? Um, that I don't think that's enough. That's not, I mean, I'm a, I'm a reasonable Missouri fan, but if, I, I'm not looking for Barry Odom to simply uh, end up back in the top 50. I want him to be able to build into the top 30 at some point as well. Uh, and with, with, with peaks in the in, a lot higher than that, kind of the Gary Pinkle model where he had like one, two, three, four times in the top 15 over the course of about eight, nine years. That's what I would like to see from Barry Odom. Top 40 or 50 wouldn't be enough. I think he would be in the top 25, all things considered. I feel confident in saying that South Carolina, here comes a stupid thing. Um, (laughs) I feel confident that a a slow and steady progress towards top 25 is very, is is possible and likely. It may take four years, but it's going to happen. I just, I do. I I'm not. I'm not there. He he still has something to prove to me. But I mean, technically, Florida is not recruiting well. No one in Florida is getting a Jim McElwain tattoo on their back. But again, that's not. uh, If we're talking about top whatever, that doesn't. We're not talking about the East. I mean, technically, yeah. If you're talking, here's what I'm talking about. You're smarter than me in this, and you're making the more educated point. I'm telling you. (laughs) I'm telling you how the college football culture will look at them and they will default upward, which is that if you're the best team in a weak SEC division. So it, to me, it, it is relative to the division because if Florida if Florida stumbles into a bit of a mess, the defending two-time division champions, right, which is I feel like more likely than less likely, we don't know what Georgia will be. I will say that here's my, here's my um, hot tip, uh, news bite item, uh, hashtag insider for the last four days and getting drunk with coaches. A lot of people think that Georgia is going to be okay. And, and by okay, back to the 10, 11, 12 win consistency. Right. But that is yet to be determined. Yeah. I'm saying South Carolina is an ideal program now and Tennessee. <laughs> so it, yeah. South Carolina could be, if they just mind their own business, ideally suited to be that perpetual number two in the division. And and that does give you a chance to finish maybe one out of every three years or two out of every three years, anywhere from like 19 to 30. I think it's possible because an eight and four, nine and three season mixed in with some seven and fives, I think, I think that's livable there. And then maybe one year you make a run. Actually, I guess what I'm saying is that is what's going to happen, whether you think that that's okay or not. I'm probably breaking yeah. hearts right now, and I don't mean to, but the Spurrier stuff was kind of an outlier.
Yeah, but I mean, like, I, I'm not putting the bar where Spurrier had it in the top 15 or so. I'm talking, I'm just talking about top 30, and I'm not convinced yet. I think he certainly can. Uh, but the I to go back to my first point, I don't think we actually learned anything about him this year, and so he still has to prove that he can do it. I, I don't, uh, I'm not convinced yet. But yeah, and 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 of course, the other part of this is okay. So you know, in terms of w- what does winning a good div- or a bad division get you. Um, so, you know, using Missouri as an example in 2014, like 2013, legitimately awesome team, Missouri. Mm-hmm. Had, like, like that, that's, but 2014, it was a, it was one of those things. They were a top 25 or so team, a top 30 team. Um, and got smoked by Alabama in the title game. Was that, what was the reaction after that? Wow. Missouri, Missouri got another division title or was it, wow, the East sucks. I'm pretty sure it was the latter. Okay. Uh, and I don't right. think Missouri really got any, even now, I mean, at home, it was great to have won a title. Um, but, you know, it, it's different when you think you can win the SEC and when you can't. Um, mm-hmm. And in 2013 was the – 2013 was incredible. 2014 was just like, <laughs> holy crap, Georgia blew it. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I – you know, winning they, – they've only been to the title game once. And, and so, you know, adding to that is certainly a plus. I just – I don't know. Here's the thing. Here's what's interesting. We're going to know real, real fast because they're facing a graduating kind of level of competition in their schedule next year and that they start with a good game at Bank of America against NC State. Then they're at Missouri, home for Kentucky, home for Louisiana Tech, potentially tricky, and that Louisiana Tech would at least tell you, here's the deal. If you lose one of the first three games, Louisiana Tech becomes like a – you know, um, a home radon kit of is this thing in trouble or not? They're going to lose at least one of the first three games. And if the, but if they're three and zero, if they're three and zero to start, got some. Yeah, no, I mean, if you're three and zero beating NC State, Missouri, and Kentucky, all of whom should be Kentucky's like, offense will be better. Uh, uh, without Boom Williams, not not convinced. But let's just say that okay. they're all, all three of those teams are top thirty to sixty somewhere, top thir- thirty five to sixty five, something in there. If okay. you win neutral, road, and home, if you go three and zero against that batch, that says you're top forty. And if you're top forty, you should beat Louisiana Tech. Louisiana Tech was very good this year, uh, better than South Carolina. So um, I, it is, hey, hey, is real fascinating. Fast. Real fast, do you think Louisiana Tech is the Wisconsin of G five? <laughs> Um, that, think that's, about that's, it. That's think a topic about for it. Conference USA preview time. But yes, they are at this point underappreciated. And I, uh, by the way, Skip Holtz, I was very wrong about them hiring you. You you are doing a tremendous job. Don't ever leave. Don't ever go back to a power job. Just go there and win ten games a year. Hey, uh, uh, hey, hey, spoiler alert from the bar. Uh, he's, he'll, he, as soon as someone calls, he's going to Of course, of course, job. I know, I know. That, of course that's going to happen. I'm saying don't. I'm saying resist the urge because you, you'd be much better served. But regardless, yeah, that's a fascinating. South Carolina has one of the most fascinating Septembers next year in that they could legitimately be 0-4 or 4-0. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it wouldn't take a much of a stretch of quality one way or the other to mm-hmm. make them 4-0 or 0-4. So that's yeah, yeah. really interesting. I completely agree. And uh, we're going to put a pin in it there mainly because I'm about to go uh, cough up lungs and uh, lay in the fetal position for a bit before I go write a story about Cal. Um I am really – I'll leave it with this. Okay. I know y'all are sad. It's like 230 days or something. It's going to be okay. There's a lot of games on YouTube. Bill and I aren't going anywhere. We're at least going to be here once a week, which means you're at least getting us for an hour, hour and a half. Okay. 
everything's going to be fine. Some of us need to go lay down for a while and not do football, okay? It's, it's, it's taxing for some of us in a physical way. Is this a sports writer complaining? Yes, it is. But I'm very sick right now, <laughs> and I need, <laughs> need a couple weeks. I've heard good things about Westworld. Haven't seen it, okay? A lot of movies I haven't been able to see. A lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of hobbies that have absolutely nothing to do with football. I've got a wife, allegedly, a two-year-old, allegedly. So we're all going to just, we're all going to dial it down a little bit. Some of you have interest in basketball, right? I'm a casual hockey fan or maybe other sports, a little dalliance. We're going to be back here in a couple of weeks talking about recruiting. Yeah, I go back on the road in a month for, an, uh, for a signing day in bed. And then it's spring football. It's spring football, Bill. If anything, if anything, I'm going to be on the road more this spring than I was uh, last summer. So we're, everything's going to be okay. I just want you guys to not panic. And again, three weeks, the pre- 2017 preview series starts. He's See, talking about. I mean, are you serious? Like twenty, like actually twenty-one yeah. days. The the well ish uh, the the Monday after signing day and signing day is is three weeks away. So three and a half weeks, uh, we will we will start. Uh, our look at the 2017 season. And uh, this was, this last week was my break. I, I got to eat, I got to po- post a bunch of stuff on Instagram about the places I was eating in Nashville. That you ate better than I did. I, I, I ate damn well. Um, although the, the frosty, the foie gras cut, uh, chocolate ice cream mix that you dip fries in to be Jesus like a Wendy's Bill. frosty. And that I got that at Butcher and B. Uh, it was weird. Um, it wasn't the best thing I got, but it was certainly the most creative. Regardless, I ate well and drank well. You uh, ate foie gras? Foie, yeah, foie, foie gras and chocolate ice cream mixed together. I'm disappointed. Uh, I don't even eat, I don't even eat veal. That's about as political as this podcast will ever get. <laughs> um, yeah, we, have, we actually still have a lot to, um, what's the hip way of saying this? Unpack from AFCA. We need more questions now more than ever. I think you lazy asses trailed off a little bit. We didn't do the show intro this week. I'm just trying not to throw up on the air, but we're going to come back. We have potentially a new sponsor come. We have, I may have to do an ad read soon. Yeah. Fascinating. Um, and, uh, we have a logo, a long gestating logo that I was actually just told last week may happen. Um, if you guys send in the numbers, um, the meaningful score, I will know within about three weeks whether or not we need more, but that was kind of designed for OG PAPN listeners. Like, because it's not like we advertised this podcast when it started. If you were ground floor, basement level with us, then you got to stick your meaningful score into our logo. That's where it's going to go eventually. Um, if we need more, I'll open it up. Um, but I think we're okay. We'll find out. Yep. Um, but that's it. We'll be back. Um, oh, i tell you what. I haven't discussed this with Bill, so let's see if he um, reacts in horror as I say this on air. We don't have. We haven't been hard and fast on a day of the week. So if you guys, I know some of you are real passionate about Wednesday and some of y'all are real passionate about Thursday. Monday and Friday kind of suck, but Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, if you, if do, do we want to throw this out to Twitter or do you want to do it in a little more organized fashion? It's up to you. Well, I mean, a lot of it's going di- to be dictated by when we're actually available, but yeah, generally speaking, if there's a certain right. day, I don't think any of those matter uh, on my end. If there's a day of the week, now I'm not saying it will always be on this day, because if one of us is like, Bill, you have like the Sloan Conference coming up, I'm going to go see some coaches in a month, like, if there's a day I, of the I week. Too, I too might see some coaches, but we'll see. Get out of my lane. You don't see me using a calculator, do you? Um, I, uh, 
we'll try and stick to one day of the week if you guys have a particular fondness. I don't know. I like Thursday. Thursday feels that's good, right? No, I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. Okay. What? They're all the same. It's the off season, baby. I am going to start a new segment on the show in which I, <laughs> not during the, although it would be fascinating podcast. It'd be a lot of dead air. I think one. I, what I'm going to try and do is once a week. I'm coming up with this on the fly. This is the longest outro segment ever, especially for someone who might have strep throat. Um, I'm going to come up with one game a week that I need to watch that I didn't see from last year because there's a bunch. There's a bunch, including the national championship, which I'm rewatching right now. I think Clemson's going to win. I don't know. I don't know. Nobody comes back from two touchdowns down on Alabama. I don't think it's going to happen. Not against the Tad. Uh, Bill, let's do this again next week, maybe. And but yes, and by the way, shout out to Dort College of Sioux something Sioux City? Sioux Sioux Center Iowa. Um, this was the 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 mo- this is the best way I can describe AFCA when we were taking the hotel shuttle to the uh, to the airport yesterday. Somebody left their Dort College uh, uh, ski cap okay. in the in the van. But that is the perfect. You might see somebody from Georgia. You might see the whole staff of Dort College. You really don't know what you're going to see when you turn the corner there, and it's very. Uh, What's their mascot? Uh, oh oh oh! That's right. That's right. It said it on the ski cap, and I forgot. The Dort Defenders. Go Defenders. They have like a knight uh, for their logo. It's pretty spectacular. Official podcast of the Dort Defenders. We'll see you guys next week.